910-993 WBT. The Pete Callender Show. And I'm the Pete of the show, conveniently enough. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110-PETE-AT-THE-PETE-CALENDAR-SHOW.COM is the email address. For the first time during his tenure as North Carolina governor, Roy Cooper has issued a proclamation supporting School Choice Week. Talked about this the other day. It struck everybody as odd. Like we had to, like people seriously had to go track down whether it was true, whether or not it was sort of like Babylon B or the onion or a mistake still could possibly be a mistake initially i thought oh well maybe he's you know recalibrating readjusting because he's looking to run for something else after he's done as governor in 24 i don't know the north carolina association for public charter schools led by Rhonda dillingham they have asked for a school choice week proclamation from governor cooper every year since he took office and he has never done it but he did it this week he did it this year according to this is by the way a story by ap dylan at the north state journal that website is nsjonline.com according to shelby doyle the public awareness director for national school choice week governor cooper quote joins more than 20 other democratic and republican governors around the country in issuing these proclamations doyle said their organization annually reaches out to every governor to request a proclamation. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I got to believe that maybe they got the letter and what was the dude's name? Udy? Was that his name? Ken Udy? Right? Wasn't that uh, Cooper's chief of staff? And I think he left. I think somebody told me that. And so is it possible that the new guy took over and got this? request for a proclamation and he just like literally rubber stamped it put governor cooper's signature on it because remember it didn't show up on their website there was no formal announcement they they did it like stealthy you know they just like said yes issued it and then like didn't do any media didn't do any promotion on it so doyle says that they send out this request every year to every governor to recognize national school choice week she said that they will also be rolling out more proclamations in the coming days north carolina state superintendent republican catherine truitt she issued, uh, issued a statement on facebook thanking cooper for the proclamation <laughs> which everybody should be doing by the way really like like everybody needs to be thanking cooper like let's have a big event let's do a big thank you governor cooper rally in support of his support of National School Choice Week. Um, Truett said, School choice is an important way to ensure that we are serving every student in our state and empowering them to succeed post-graduation. Now, Dr. Terry Stoops, the director for the Center for Effective Education at the John Locke Foundation. Apparently, he's a skeptic. He's a glass, half-empty kind of guy. He says that he is skeptical but hopeful about the proclamation. Quote, while Governor Cooper's motives for signing the proclamation remain a mystery, I think North Carolina families should celebrate his newfound commitment to protecting and expanding educational options for their children. Now, I go back over here. To the end of the piece here, Senator Dina Ballard from Watauga County chairs the Education and Higher Education Committee. She sent the governor uh, a letter questioning his proclamation. 
And she said she did not receive a direct response from the governor, but got a letter instead from Jeff Coltrane, Cooper's senior education advisor, who said the governor has long been supportive of this type of innovation in our public schools and public charter schools. But in the next paragraph, Coltrane says that Cooper uh, and his past opposition to opportunity scholarships for low-income students, uh, he will continue to oppose that. As you know, he says, governor's budget proposals... Uh, he has always opposed them and will continue to op- oppose the expansion of the Opportunity Scholarship. There's some weasel word right there. It's the expansion of the program. Cooper has actually tried to phase it out. Okay? He's tried to phase it out. So we have okay, we have the Lieutenant Governor now. Uh, all right, let me uh, jump over here. Lieutenant Governor. Oh, my goodness. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Can you hear me okay? I'm sorry. I'm in the car. I'm driving. That's okay. Well, that it, it's totally fine. I appreciate you making time for us today. Happy National School Choice Week. Uh, so, Absolutely. were you? Yes, sir. Were you the? Were, did you like lean on Cooper to get him to issue the proclamation? Was that you that that got that to happen? What's up? Oh no. Let me let me tell you who <laughs> leaned on Roy Cooper. Parents, not just in North Carolina, but parents all across this nation who are sick and tired of the education bureaucracy discounting their uh, absolute God-given right to decide where their children are, how and where their children are educated. Those folks are standing up. They're showing up to school board meetings. They've been called everything from domestic terrorists to pests to you name it. But it is showing now in what Governor Cooper did that these parents' voices are being heard, and these folks on the left are going to have to start turning the corner and realizing that the education system is not their own personal playground. And so I believe that's what did it for Roy Cooper. He knows that these parents out here are sick and tired of it, and he's going to have to get on board with what's right. One of the uh, side effects, the uh, impacts of the pandemic, was that a lot of parents got a first-hand look at what their kids were learning in schools. I mean, yep. Lord, the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, right. right, like all of a sudden people are like, wait, wait, hang on a second. Your teacher said what? And so now that has fueled a lot, a, a lot of this, uh, uh, this animosity, this anger uh, among parents. Uh, and then you couple that with the way that the schools have behaved with the lockdown policies and the mask policies and uh, going remote and f- doing hybrids and all this other stuff uh and uh even the new york times is telling democrats you guys are in for a beating because of this and uh you are uh, doing all sorts of speeches all over the state uh and uh, and i believe all over the country on this on this topic is this like an, any other issue that you have encountered in your brief foray now into politics Yes, this education issue is absolutely broken open, not only in this state, but all across the nation. I am proud to say that my team and I, when we launched the FACTS Task Force, that's fairness and accountability in the classroom for teachers and students, uh, we were roundly derided by the left. We were roundly derided by the media. Even when we released our findings, we were still derided, even though we had solid evidence that these things were going on in our classroom. But I can tell you this. States all across the nation are following our lead, and not only are they following the lead, and not only are they charging in uh, with everything that they have, like I said before, parents are waking up. Just like you said, because of the pandemic, because of the things that we've highlighted, the things they've seen in their classrooms, these parents are waking up. And and I know in Virginia they said that education, I believe, was the number two issue. Of course, the economy was number one, but education was the number two issue number two issue, and I believe it's the reason why 
uh, Glenn Young had won that race. Uh, and Winsome Sears uh, as well, a, a lieutenant governor up in Virginia. Well, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Have you, ha- yes, have you had any chance to chat with her at all? You're a lieutenant governor, and now you're with uh, you're you're hooked up with the uh, the, Re- the Republican Lieutenant Governors Association's executive committee. Uh, any opportunity mm-hmm. to chat with her yet? I have. I have had opportunities to chat with her both before her election and now after her election. And I uh, hope to be able to partner with her soon on a lot of things. I think that we can, uh, the two of us can uh, make great inroads uh, in uh, uh, the so-called minority community to start letting people know, hey, you do not have to be a Democrat. You can act, you can go to the poll and vote your values. You do not have to go vote for these leftist policies that are destroying your schools, destroying your homes, destroying your neighborhoods. You can jump on board with us and, and, and vote the right way. I got to tell you, I heard along the lines what you just mentioned there. I heard there was a piece at Roll Call uh, uh, talking about, or uh, yeah, talking about uh, the election bill, and uh, I call it the nationalization of our elections, not a voting rights mm-hmm. bill. But Wesley Hunt, who's running out in Texas in the 38th district, uh, black Republican, but he said something at the end of the story, and it reminded me of a quote that you gave at a, a Republican uh, meeting several, uh, probably about a year ago. He said uh, talking about voter. ID said it's the most racist thing I've heard in the last two years, the notion that black people cannot acquire an ID. So we are a group of people that survived the Middle Passage, we survived slavery, we survived Jim Crow, and you're telling me we can't get an ID. And I thought, this is such a powerful message. I thought it when you said it, I played your audio. Um, Is this, uh, well, what is the reaction that you get, I should say, from, uh, from black voters, but also Republicans in general? At about that line and about this message. Well, that's the one of the things. The folks on the on the right, so many of the folks on the right, uh, they know exactly how they feel about the issue. They just don't know how to put it into words. Uh, but there are so many, like me, like Winston Sears, who have lived this experience of being uh, black and being conservative. Uh, we know exactly what to say, and we know exactly how to reach folks with this message. It's just a simple, common-sense message. Look, uh, I'm a proud uh, black American. I'm proud of my history. I'm proud that I overcame uh, our, our people overcame slavery, and like you said, overcame Jim Crow. We survived all the horrors of slavery. Do not tell me that I'm too weak to go down to the DMV and get a free ID to vote. It is that, again, that paternal soft bigotry of the left that tells uh, black people, brown people, women, you cannot achieve without our help. You cannot achieve without having some type of a handout or uh, some type of assistance. Uh, folks in this country that are have faced the worst of times ha- have shined at their best at those worst of times. We don't need the government to come in and step in now and tell us we're too stupid to get a free ID to vote. So uh, that that message is something we're going to continue to hammer home. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, appreciate uh, your time as always. Safe travels to you. Good luck on the campaign trail as well. Hey, thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. Thanks again to the Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson for joining us earlier there. I mentioned he's on the Republican Lieutenant Governors Associations, or as I like to call it, the RLGA. Uh, Their 2022 Executive Committee, the RLGA, is one of four caucuses under the leadership of the Republican Senate Leadership Committee, the RSLC. That was founded in 2002 to recruit and elect down-ballot state-level Republican 
office holders. AP Dillon writing at North State Journal uh, that in the upcoming midterm election cycle this fall, 30 lieutenant governor races are going to be on the ballots across the country in this year's race or this year's election. Uh, Robinson is not on the ballot this year. He got elected in 2020, so he would be up for re-election in 2024, or if he decides to run for governor, he would make that move. You cannot run for more than one uh, race in North Carolina like that. If you, you can't file to run. You can be, like if he's lieutenant governor, he could run for Congress and not give up his lieutenant governor seat because they're not, you can only file to be a, an active candidate for one seat at a time. Can't run in multiple seats. Um I also mentioned uh, the campaign fundraising. This is from uh, the Carolina Journal. With campaign finance reports coming later this month, North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson's campaign announced he's raised more than $1.5 million. The, the, the uh, donations come from 12,691 donors. According to his latest campaign finance report, semi-annual reports for all candidates for office are due on January 31. A summary of the report for the campaign called Friends of Mark Robinson shows the campaign has raised more than $2 million over the past year, which is not too shabby uh, considering he's not even on the ballot. (laughs) He's raised that much money and he's not even on the ballot. Uh, what else here? Oh, I mentioned the, uh, well, let me come back to that. The, well, mm, yeah, all right. I might as well do it because I mentioned, uh, with him, this, uh, piece at roll call, the quote from, uh, from Wesley Hunt, he's running for the GOP nomination in Texas's 38th district Congress. Um, he brought in more than a million dollars in the most recent fundraising quarter. He holds a one and a half million dollar bankroll and that seven figure sum puts Wesley Hunt, Army veteran, black, Republican, puts him in the top tier of congressional fundraisers. He's part of a growing Republican roster uh, of House or Senate candidates or incumbents who are people of color raising eye-popping amounts of money. Even as some Democrats, including President Biden, have attacked the GOP as the party of Jim Crow 2.0 for opposition to voting rights legislation, Some of the Republican Party's rising fundraising stars are people of color, many of whom, like Wesley Hunt, take issue with Democrats' messaging. For example, U.S. Senator Tim Scott. Um, He has raised $7 million in last year's fourth quarter, had more than $21.5 million cash on hand. This, I mean, he is a fundraising machine. People love Tim Scott in the Republican Party. Because that's what racism looks like, obviously. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into more of this. Because uh, uh, oh, I haven't even gotten to the truly dumbass statements. Uh, that They'll be up next here. Let's go over to WBT News Center now. Mark Muller with an update. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show. Roll Call's Herb Jackson has a story headlined, Amid Jim Crow 2.0 Rhetoric, Some GOP Candidates of Color Thrive. And then he proceeds to list... Like, official after official after candidate after official uh, people of color in the Republican ranks that are raising tons and tons and tons of money. 
They are in demand. People want to hear what they have to say. They are rock stars uh, on the, uh, the talk circuit inside the GOP. Because that's what, obviously, a racist party does. <laughs> right? Well, if you are of the left, that is what you think. Seriously. This is their argument. I'm not saying it's a good one. I'm just letting you know this is their argument. Because in the piece at Roll Call, after citing, you know, Tim Scott, Wesley Hunt, Young Kim, who was born in South Korea, who's raising over a million dollars in the fourth quarter with, in the, uh, with two and a half already in the bank. Georgia GOP Senate contender Herschel Walker, uh, former NFL player. He brought in more than $5.4 million in the fourth quarter. Um, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporting that. Freshman Florida Re- uh, Representative Republican Byron Donalds. Uh, he's raised $2.3 million. These are tons of money. These sums are huge. Those candidates and their fundraising receipts offer a more complex portrait of race in the Republican Party than Democrats' recent messaging. And it shows a party seeking more diverse candidates, even as many of its own members uh, or many of its members downplay the prominence of racism in America today. It's almost like people believe it. Quote, it can still be the voter suppression party and still have some black candidates that are running as Republicans, said Cliff Albright co-founder and executive director of the Black Voters Matter Fund, which supports the voting rights legislation in Congress. Quote, you'll always find some number of an oppressed group that'll go along with the oppression. That's the argument. I told you, you hadn't heard the true dumbassery out of this article yet. But there it is. There's another quote. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get to it. But that right there, So you can always find some portion, some number of an oppressed group that will go along with the oppression. That's the that's the approach you want to take. Okay, look, hey, bold strategy. We'll see if it works. Uh, Mark Lampkin, a former congressional GOP leadership aide who manages the Washington office of uh, Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber and Shrek. Anyway, he said, quote, I think there's an emerging class of voter in minority communities that's frustrated with the kind of super woke culture and some old narrative that Democrats are offering. And from that class, you're finding more and more people who are willing to give the pro-business, pro-growth Republican Party an opportunity. Right. If you've got a message that says, hey, man, you can be anything you want to be. You can be successful and I can help you be successful. That's my message. Like we got we got entrepreneurs here who tell you how to how, how to go about making your dream come true. What is it you like to do? Uh, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do for a living? Let's help you do that. And you're going to be wildly successful. Right. So that's my message. What's your message? Well, your message is um, you can't be anything or do anything or have equal access to anything because there's a whole group of people that hate you and they're going to stop you from achieving these things that's your message and and now if you are somebody who has not directly experienced something like that like if you haven't had somebody that has you know said i'm going to block you from getting this opportunity do you think that that my message or your message is more attractive one is inspiring 
and one is, well, let's just say is not. One is actually oppressive. One keeps you in a mindset of failure and robs you of not just agency, but desire to improve. Why would you want to adopt, willingly, why would you want to adopt that as your mindset? You know, the power of positive thinking, it is, there is a power to it. You know, you you go, I mean, I'm not going to go into like sort of the, uh, uh, you know, like the self-help uh, area here and, and, and uh, you know, business success books and philosophies and all of that. But the concept of visualization, of recognizing uh, opportunities and being prepared for them when they arrive, uh, like Ashton Kutcher, remember when she uh, when he uh, gave that speech uh, to like the the VH1 Teen Choice Awards? I don't even know what it was. Remember he said uh, opportunity looks a lot like hard work, right? That is a message people need to hear. But also visualize you as a success. This was the key to like Andrew Carnegie, like the book, right? Winning friends, influencing people, right? What are the key? The keys to success are what? Like recognizing that you can achieve these things, and if you visualize yourself doing it, you'll do it. If you sit down and make a five-year plan, chances are you're going to get to where you want to go in that five-year plan, and chances are you're going to get there earlier than five years. I don't know why it works, but it works. Do you want to tell? I I think you would want to. I think everybody would want to tell everybody. Have a five-year plan, right? Plan for success. What do you want out of life? What is the plan? What do you want to be doing? And then once you put it down on paper, you tell other people. This is another key part. Tell other people what your plan is, what you want to be, what you want to do, what does success look like. And you know what is an amazing thing that happens? When you talk about this stuff, because you're passionate about it, because this is what you want to do, this is what you want to be, you tell people about these things, and they help you achieve them. It's the, it is the most amazing thing. You You are helped by people who sometimes have nothing to gain for themselves, but they want to be a part of somebody else's success makes people feel good and successful people particularly so they love helping other people become successful as well so you tell other people what you want to be to be successful what you want to do what your goals are they help you achieve them and then you can help other people achieve them this is an empowering message so come with me this is my message or you can live a life as a perpetual victim hoping that someone throws you some scraps your choice. I know which path I would choose because I have chosen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The Pete Callender Show here. Roll Call had a uh, big write-up on... Uh, they didn't mention Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, though, uh, in this, but they were talking about Jim Crow 2.0 rhetoric that the Democrats have been using. And I got like, does that actually work on anybody besides people who already are in the partisan tank for the Democrats? Does that work? It seems hyperbolic. It seems over-the-top, right, performative, theat- overly theatrical. It, to me, it does. Uh, maybe it does persuade some people, but I, I'm thinking they're already on the left, and they're just looking for ammo, right? They're just looking for what to say. They don't necessarily uh, – they're not necessarily being persuaded. So 
They talk about Wesley Hunt, who is running for a GOP nomination down in Texas in a congressional race. Um, and uh, they've got a quote here from Chris Taylor, a spokesman for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And here's what he says in the email, quote, The only thing Republicans in Congress have proven is that they can't recruit their way out of being the party of the big lie and blocking voting rights, particularly for people of color. I swear, this is, I've said this before, because it really is life imitating art. It was the Family Guy episode where Lois is running for office and mentions 9-11 and everybody just starts applauding and she realizes very quickly that if she just says 9-11, she gets lots of applause. And so she just basically, like, her entire speech gets whittled down to just her coming out saying 9-11 and everybody applauding. And that's sort of where we are with the Democrats All they do is a, the big lie, the big lie, you say the big lie. They're like parrots. They say, voting rights, you're blocking voting rights. And that's it. Over and over and over and over again. And it's ridiculous. Uh, Wesley Hunt, who's this black Republican candidate who's raised a ton of money, says he disagrees with the Democrats' messaging over legislation to set minimum federal standards for state and local jurisdictions' election procedures. This is the way roll call is describing it. I describe it as a nationalization of elections, because that's what it is. Oh, also they want to, you know, add a couple of uh, uh, states into the union so Democrats have a perpetual uh, majority in the U.S. Senate. Um. Anyway, he says um, he says he disagrees with that. Um, And Joe Biden, as he tried to build support for Senate passage of the law, said the new elections and voting laws in GOP led states amounted to Jim Crow 2.0, which he defined as voter suppression and election subversion. It's a reference to Jim Crow, blah, blah, blah. It talks about that. So Wesley Hunt says his father, who's 72 years old, grew up in Louisiana under Jim Crow. And he says, quote, my father, who's alive and well, never had any formal education with a white person because of segregation and his son is now running for the u.s congress in the only white majority republican leaning district in houston and in harris county and so when they talk about this being jim crow 2.0 we've come a long way a very long way and that's just hyperbolic rhetoric to make the republican party sound racist he's exactly right that's all they have and i've said this before it's really no uh, but it's not harder to understand than, than simply this. Democrats need to keep as many black voters voting Democrat as possible. Because if black voters voted like any other racial demographic in America, I'm not saying that they have to, you know, it's got to be like a sea change in attitudes or anything. But if you line up all the racial demographic groups and look at how they vote, they tend to split their votes. I mean, inside of those groups, obviously, like you've got college educated, male, female, like there are disparities, obviously, differences in different groups and such. But when you look at the racial cohorts alone, if you split the black vote like you do any other racial demographic, Democrats don't win again. It really is that simple. So they have to and, and fear in like I will tell you this from a marketing standpoint Fear is a heck of a motivator. It gets people to do things and move in directions, and it gets them to do it quickly. We all have seen the last two years, right, what 
what fear can do. We're in the middle of a you know mass panic event. So uh, if you can convince people that these other ones out there are trying to do you harm and you need to be in constant fear of them. And by the way, this is not a new argument to Democrats. They literally make this same argument when it comes to racism and uh, the portrayal of uh, black people in crime stories. They've been making these arguments themselves. So they're aware of this. This isn't groundbreaking stuff. Um, It's why you get stories like this headline from CNN. Quote, Pat McCrory compared his not getting a job at Duke University to 1960s segregation. Which he did not do, actually. So he, Pat McCrory made some comments about this event on his radio show, right here on WBT. And the K-File, which is Andrew Kaczynski. Starts with a K, and so he goes by the K-File. Whatever, it's his branding thing. And uh, he's now at CNN. And uh, the headline, which of course, like we are always told, like, well, I'm just a reporter. I didn't write the headline. Whatever. So... This is the story. Pat McCrory compared the tactic that was used against him to the tactic that was used against people who were not allowed to eat at a lunch counter. (gasps) Am I supposed to, like, is that offensive? Why is that offensive? The tactic is offensive. It doesn't matter how you're using it and why you're using it, right? You're using the same tactic. That's That was his comparison. He, it was blacklisting is what he was talking about, which is precisely what happened to him, by the way. Right? Duke University reached out to him and said, hey, you want to come do like a guest lecture thing? Talk about public policy at our public policy school. Do you think Pat McCrory might know something about public policy? Seriously, whatever you think about him, I'm not, this has nothing to do with the Senate race except for the fact that they're digging this stuff up in order to harm his chances. But the, uh, uh, just you know, take the politics, take him out of it. You have a person who was a mayor for seven terms, had fights with the legislature over those 14 years. He was a councilman before that. He became governor, had fights with the legislature there. Um, do you think that he might know something about public policy i do i think he absolutely and if you run a school in the state and you've been hiring and bringing in all of these elected officials over the years and you offer to bring him in and he agrees and then you revoke the invitation because some people yelled at you that's blacklisting all right more on this after the news wbtam charlotte wbtfm chester wlnk hd2 charlotte News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WGT. The Northeast going to get pounded. We'll let you know what we'll be getting coming up momentarily. Good afternoon. I'm Mark Muller in the WBT News Center. Salisbury police saying a couple was arrested yesterday after a non-responsive child was brought to Novon uh, Hospital earlier this month. Cops saying the child showing signs of neglect after reviewing medical records, they decided to uh, charge Reed and Georgiana Carricker, who are both 42, and each are now facing a count of felony child abuse and being held on $40,000 bond. So while the Northeast is getting pounded what they're calling a snow bomb this weekend, what can we expect in the Charlotte area later tonight? Well, we do have a winter weather advisory in effect starting at 7 o'clock this evening, and that'll remain in effect for 12 hours. 
much of the area it'll start off as rain and then it'll transition to a mix and then over to all snow for a brief period of time 9 10 o'clock maybe as late as 11 we're seeing that come through so what does that mean for snowfall totals highest is obviously going to be over the mountains you can see maybe two to four inches especially beach mountain and places on the higher elevations looks like down to morganton all the way into burke and caldwell county one to two inches and that kind of goes towards our south and eastern counties much of us are going to be a coating to an inch that's fox 46 queen city news is amanda cox full forecast is coming up and is the pending weather causing any delays at charlotte douglas they say the winter weather advisory in effect and that will include this evening through saturday they're encouraging passengers to check with the airline for the flight status information before coming to the airport. Joe Gillespie, WBT News. Now, right now, the airport is reporting 99 flights delayed and 67 canceled, and that number is sure to increase as the amount of snow that will hit the northeast is uh, going to be at least 12 to 24 inches from what they're calling some areas even more. So any flights that will be going there will certainly get delayed 